mention it every Sunday, but, but y'all clap for the announcements. What an encouraging church. What an optimistic church. I love that. Um, hey, so one of our values here, too, is that we really value the scriptures. And so if you would stand with me for the reading of God's word, this is from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Kind of our primary text for today to kind of prime us uh, in our hearts and minds for what God is going to teach us. So this says this. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Amen? Why don't you grab a seat? Grab a seat. Hey, a couple quick updates before we get into the message. Um, last week, if you were here, you probably saw ambulances here after service, and that's because um, our former pastor, who had just preached an amazing message on discipleship, had um, a heart attack at the end of the service. And I'm smiling because he's doing great, okay? But, um, but it was one of those miracles um, where we had just brought up Michael last Sunday to talk about how he had felt some pressure in his heart. And then shortly after, Pastor Bill gets up and he preaches, preaches the house down and he actually has a, a, a mini heart attack while he's preaching and then he has like a bigger one after. And here's, here's kind of the miracle in the whole situation because I know some of you are concerned. The miracle is this. We typically structure our service where the communion's in the middle. And he had said, man, I just really feel like we have to do communion at the end of the service. And I was like, okay, no problem, whatever you want to do. And so had we done their service like we normally do, he would have had his, his actual heart attack on stage, <laughs> okay? But instead, we finished early so he could then go and be cared for by the paramedics. Isn't that amazing? Totally amazing. And so we just praise God for what he's done, right? Amen? Amen. And so... I'm sure that you've been praying for him and have been encouraging him. Be, just send him some texts and just say, hey, we're glad you're okay. Great message, by the way. Make sure you include great message, okay? So it's not all just about the, the ambulance. Anyway, uh, the next quick thing is that it's uh, Lois's, Lois Heron. Uh, she passed away a couple months ago already. And it's her memorial service this coming Saturday at 11. And she wants, the family wants everyone here to know that you're invited, okay? And so we're going to be having a memorial here at 11 and then doing a reception downstairs after. After the fact. This is Lois. She is the best. When we first moved here, she met us in our like little vacation rental and brought us this wild casserole and then like eight jars of jam. And we still have the jam and it's the best jam. And so I can't wait to celebrate her and cry so much during the memorial because I am a softie. There we go. Um, the last thing is that um, you've probably been following the news. There is um, some crazy fires going through Hawaii right now. The last number I heard this morning when I checked, it was that 93 people have died now in, on the island of Maui because of these fires. And so what we wanted to do is just, we wanted to intercede on their behalf today and just pray for them, kind of stand in the gap between themselves and the Lord and ask God to move in power, that God would make all things work together for good in them, in that island, and that his glory would be seen in what comes next. Amen? And so, um, you know, Walter, would you mind just standing up and praying for the, for the folks of Maui? Father, Lord, you called us to intercede for one another. You called us to pray for one another. And you did say to the Lord that the prayer of the righteous, the Lord, avails for much. Lord, we come in your mighty name, Lord, and we pray. 
pray for the families that have been affected by these fires, Lord. We ask that you will be with them, that you will comfort them, that in the midst of this chaos, Lord, this situation, Lord, you will do what you do, which is you will make something good out of this, Lord. The miracle is about to happen. You will do something greater, Lord. And we ask, Lord, that you will strengthen them, Lord, that your spirit will be with them, Lord. And we ask for all the people who are involved, involved, Lord, in helping them out, Lord, that that you will bless them, Lord, Lord, that you will give knowledge, wisdom, and understanding to the authorities, Lord, so that they can act, Lord. We pray for our brothers and sisters, Lord, that have been affected, Lord. We ask that you be with them, Lord, and that we will continue to intercede for them, Lord, and that we will trust you no matter what, Lord. Even if the mountains were to move to the middle of the ocean, Lord, we will still trust you, Lord, because you being good, you're good, and you're always good. We love you, we praise you, Lord, and we commit all of these beautiful families in Maui, Lord, in your mighty name, Lord, and we praise you and glorify you for what you're about to do. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. 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 Amen, amen. Thank you, Walter. All right, so today is our last week of the summer series. I was talking with the teams earlier, and they said, it's not the end of summer yet, but it kind of feels that way. My kids go back to school this week, and it's like, man, how did that happen already? And so we're going to be wrapping up our summer series, Let Me Explain, where we've kind of talked about why we do what we do the way we do here at Highlands. Um, And we're wrapping that up today. And over the course of the summer, we've covered some really, really fun and interesting topics But really, it's just the practices that the church has adopted and embraced for more than 2,000 years. So we've talked about everything from giving, why we give. We've talked about baptism, why we get baptized, communion, salvation, singing, the gospel, discipleship, evangelism. And we've even talked about what is the Bible and why do we read it. And y'all, it has been such an interesting and challenging thing for me to study for. Um, and I've, I've learned so much as we've worked through these practices together. And so if you missed any of the topics, I just encourage you to go back. You can check them out online. We have a, a podcast or you can watch them on YouTube, whatever. But um, uh, I just encourage you to go back uh, and, and check it out because it was helpful for me and I imagine it was helpful for you too. Now, all that said, today is our final week of Let Me Explain. And, um, and with it, I wanted to, to, to really go out with a bang talking about Um, talking about serving and why we serve. And so let me explain on this last week of summer why we serve. And I want to talk about serving today because serving for God's people, as we look to the scriptures, has never been an optional practice. In fact, it's so not optional that God actually attached serving to our identity as his people. Check this out from Matthew chapter 20. It'll be on the screen. It says this. Jesus, who is God, goes on to describe his his people and who they'll be. And it starts in, in verse 25. It says, But Jesus called them, his disciples, he called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. For many. This, is, this is the expectation 
that God has put in place for his people, that whoever wants to be faithful to their confession as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, then they must serve and they must become a servant. Now, outside these, outside these walls, it might look a little different, right? It might, leadership and success might look one way. Outside these walls, uh, the expectation for life and the pursuit of happiness that we're sold might look another. But among you, Jesus says, the church must be different. The greatest and most successful in the kingdom of God, Jesus says, will be the greatest servants. The greatest servants. Why? Because even the Son of Man, even Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others. And if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you're with him to be like him. Christians serve because Jesus served. Christians are servants because Jesus was a servant. So serving, it's not just what we do. It's actually, it's like who we are recreated to be. It's identity and it's action. And this is ultimately why, like broadly, this is why we serve. Because Jesus serves and he told us to do the same. But this begs the question for anyone that's been hanging out at church for a while and on a team or or maybe you've served in other areas and you've just like got super stressed out and overworked or whatever. It just kind of begs the question of like, why does, why does God want us to serve? And why does God want us to be servants out of all the things we could do, right? I mean, all the roles we could have in his house, why does serving matter to God? Well, let me explain. And, and believe it or not, it, it's actually really good news. So the first thing is that God cares about our serving because within God's kind of master plan of kingdom come on earth, God is calling his people to be and build a church. And for some reason, within this master plan of God's kingdom coming to earth, instead of sending angels to do it or like heavenly robots or spiritual clones, God decided to build his church with his church. God decided to build it with his church, which means that we are all essential in what God is doing. And this is the really good news about today. Because it means that everyone here, everyone here is instrumental to the kingdom that God is working to expand in the world. I love how Paul describes this in Ephesians chapter two. He says it like this, it'll be on the screen. It says, God is building a home. He's using us all irrespective of how we got here and what he's building, he used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. Isn't that stunning? God is building a home. God is building his, his church with your life, with your life, with all of us, regardless of how we got here, regardless of our past, regardless of our bank accounts, regardless of our education, our former mistakes, current struggles, future problems, independent of where we've been, what we know or what we don't, I need you to understand there is no second string. We're all playing varsity on God's team because God is building his church. God is building his church with his church and he says that we, that you are essential. And this is why God calls us to serve, not because he needs our help in building his kingdom, right? He doesn't need anyone. He's God. 
but rather because he wants our help. He wants our focus, and he wants our whole heart. And this means that your whole life matters. Your whole life matters to God at any age and at every stage. You are essential. You are essential to play your part in his good work. And, and this, is, this is first. This is why we serve. God is doing something awesome, and he wants us to help build and serve his awesome plan of kingdom expansion. That's first. But the second reason, and really why I want to end the summer talking about this practice, is because in our current state of the world, most people don't choose to see themselves as servants. Right? Most people don't want to see themselves as servants, and most don't see themselves as essential workers as much as they see themselves as entitled visitors. In fact, you might have heard this. There's actually a, kind of a magic number that leadership talks about um, called, called the 80-20 rule or the um, Pareto principle. And sociologists, they kind of highlight this to mean that typically 20% of a community, 20% of a community usually pays for and covers 80% of the work. 80-20. And, and while the other 80% of the community the majority of the community passively consumes what the committed minority creates. And we see this principle just about everywhere. We see this ratio all over our society today, our consumeristic world, which unfortunately makes sense. But the last place that this principle, that this number, this mindset should appear is in the church, right? If the church is filled with servants, there should never be an 80-20, and yet somehow it has managed to creep in. We're this assumption that we're sold outside the walls, that we deserve what we want when we want, and someone else will take care of the rest. That instead of, instead of being the church like we see in Ephesians chapter 2, we start thinking that the church is actually for us, to entertain us, to, to feed us, to grow us, and to make us and our kids moral or happy. And I, and I get that it's a fine line, okay? Like, I'm not saying the church shouldn't be a happy or a compelling place for all generations. It should be. But y'all, I've heard a number of, of people over the past year from all generations, some of them good friends of mine, some good friends that said, listen, there's just not enough here for us. There's not enough depth. There's not enough Holy Spirit. There's not enough for my teenagers, which we're working on, by the way. There's not enough Bible studies. There's not enough missions, support. There's not enough songs that I like. There's not enough programs that feed me. And again, I, I get it because we have one life. And so we have to be intentional with where we spend our days. For anyone visiting today, don't, don't feel heavy-handed on this. But the pattern I'm seeing in the church and in the future church as culture begins to inform us and form us more than the gospel is I'm seeing less builders and I'm seeing more visitors. I'm seeing less servants, and I'm seeing more consumers. Where if the church, it, it stops giving us what we want, we, or what we think we need, or what we think we prefer, or whatever, if the service fails to live up to our expectations, then at best we just leave to go find a place that will give us what we want and what we need at our schedule. That's at best. At worst, if the church doesn't cater to what we like, then we'll go somewhere else that gives us what we want, and then we criticize the place that wouldn't. And this is what we so often see in our world today. And, I, and listen, I'm not coming at anyone because I have been there. 
I imagine we have all been there, but Matthew 20 says, Matthew 20 says, among us it must be what? Different. Among us it must be different. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down because it's vital that we understand this today. Among us it must be different because the church, believe it or not, is not for you. The church is for Jesus. The church is for Jesus. And friends, it does not exist to make you happy. The church does not exist to make you friends. The church does not exist to even make you moral or spiritual. The church exists to carry forward the good news of Jesus in word and deed. And we have all been called to serve this intention. So it's not for you, and it's not about you. The church is you, and we together exist for the glory of God, to worship and honor and serve Jesus with all we are. Why? So the world might know what God is like. Every other perk, every other service, every other program or style or song or ministry, listen, is simply a tool. It is a method and an eventual byproduct of that purpose. Now, what does this mean? It means that the church as people were not saved to be 80-20. The church wasn't saved to be 50-50, right? No, we were all called to be all in wherever God has us. 100% of people doing 100% of the work in ways only we can. We weren't saved to be consumers of Christian content or Christian community, just like we weren't entitled to shop around for whatever we think satisfies our spiritual needs best. We were born again, friends. We were born again to be servants who serve because we follow Jesus, the only one who ever, ever had the right to be served the only one who ever had the right to expect and have an entitled spirit, the only one ever who deserved to be served, chose to come as a servant. Chose to come as a servant. And this is why we serve the church as the church, because God is building a home, and he's using us all, regardless of how we got here. And while it's not about you, because it is you, we're all essential. We're all essential to build what God is building. And this is why. This is why we serve. Now, all that said, what does this look like then, practically? Because in theory, I know this makes sense. If you're a Christian and you're listening, you're like, oh, yeah. You know, even if it, again, it bucks against some of our, like, uh, 21st century American ideals, like, it, it, it makes sense that if we're Christians following Jesus and he came not to be served but to serve, it makes sense that for us to be faithful, we would also adopt that same posture, right? I mean, that, that tracks, no doubt, that we wouldn't be greedy and we wouldn't be selfish and we wouldn't make it about us, but instead we take on that same position, that we would bow low before Jesus and serve those around us. It makes sense that we would do this theoretically, but in real life, in real life, how does this play out? How does, does, it, does it mean that we shouldn't have opinions? Does it mean we shouldn't have preferences or that we shouldn't want options? Does it mean we shouldn't care about getting ahead in the world? Does it mean that we shouldn't, you know, step into leadership and decision-making? Should we all quit our jobs and become pastors? Is it one size fits all? How far does this go? The servant nature of the Christian, how far does this go? And how is it that Jesus wants us to apply this practice? Well, I want to address that question because this is broad. I want to address this um, from two, kind of two perspectives, the first being like 10,000 feet above, and then the second kind of being boots on the ground. So how, how do we serve from 10,000 feet 
Scripture says we must serve like Jesus. Now, boots on the ground, Scripture says that we must serve through his Spirit. So we really have two key methods we'll be looking at how. That we'll be serving like Jesus and we serve through his Spirit. Let's take a look at serving like Jesus for a second. I want you to know that being a servant and choosing to serve others, while it is an action, it's really intended to be more of a response or a heart position in obedience to your, your leader, your master. Now, what does this mean? Let me explain. So God wants you to see you. He wants you to see your entire life through the lens of following Jesus, that you would be a builder on his behalf because Jesus made you that way. And as a born-again builder, you are no longer just building whatever you want with your life. As a born-again builder, you're no longer building what, whatever you want. No, you, you build what God wants, and, and that is his church. But not as some random freelance contractor with no skin in the game. No, you are building his church as his church from the inside on his behalf. And again, this means that you're building what he wants, but, but, but also building what he wants the way he wants it built because he is in charge. Jesus is the boss. And with every action, you are representing your master. With every action, you are representing your master, his way, his heart, and his culture. With every action, you are showing the world what he is like, so we must serve like him, for him, on his behalf. Amen. Reminds me um, of when we were in Las Vegas this past week, for Rebecca's birthday. If you didn't know it was Rebecca's birthday, and uh, I promised, I, I know, woo, we're, Rebecca, yeah. Um, but I promised that I would take her to Paris, okay, when we got married. And so um, I was going to take her in 2020, but then something happened. And then, um, you know, something happened in 2020. And then um, for her birthday, I was like, ah, oh, let's, let's just go out. Let's just make it awesome. And so I, I took her to, to the Paris Casino, in uh, Las Vegas. And uh, yeah, probably not a lot of pastors using their trip to Vegas as an illustration, but um, <laughs> anyway, Rebecca and I, um, we love good food, okay? We love good food and we love amazing dining experiences, which is lucky that we live in Los Angeles. But when we were there, one of the places we've always wanted to go is this restaurant called Momofuku. And it's this really interesting like Asian fusion spot by a pretty famous chef named David Chang. And I think there's actually one here in Los Angeles too. But anyway, first night in Vegas, I booked the reservation at Momofuku and we were pumped, right? And we got there um, right on time. The place was hopping. There was a line to get in. And so honestly, I was just a little anxious. I was like, oh, is this going to be okay? How is this going to go? You know, like it's cool and it's fancy and that's not me at all. But I walk up to the reception desk and, and they said to me, name? I said, uh, last name Johnson? reservation for 8.30, and they look up at us, and they said, oh, Mr. Johnson, we are so glad that you're here. And Rebecca, is it your birthday today? Happy birthday. We're so glad you decided to spend it with us, and all of a sudden, the pressure was off, okay? All of a sudden. And so then the host, they, they, they walk us to our table, and, and it was like they were genuinely happy that we were there. They felt, it's almost like they presented themselves as grateful that we decided to eat in their restaurant. 
amazing, right? And so we, we get there, and she, we get sat at this prime table overlooking, like, all the amazing sights, and, and, and the server came over and got us everything we needed, and the guest experience was incredible. The food was amazing. Becca had this, this steamed bun with fried chicken and caviar in it. It was wild, okay? Can we just celebrate wild food for a second? It was amazing. But, but the one thing we noticed kind of beyond the food, and this is where it's coming around, is that the service... The serving was uniformly brilliant. All the servers used the same language. They smiled. They nodded as we passed. They were helpful. They were happy. And again, they appeared to be so grateful that we were there. The servers worked with incredible service, which provided a guest experience that was honestly second to none. And listen, as someone who used to work in the food service industry, I I was a sandwich artist at Subway, just so you know. And I used to wait tables at TGI Fridays. Um, you need to know that like this type of culture in a restaurant, this type of culture, this experience, it doesn't just happen. These folks were trained to work and serve this way. They were given expectations for how to see people, how to see their work, and how to see themselves. Why? Because this was not their restaurant. This was not their house. It was the owner, David Chang's house, right? The servers can't just make whatever food they want. No, they have to make what's on the menu the way David Chang wanted them to make it. They can't just sit people wherever they want or set the restaurant uh, restaurant kind of up based on their preferences. No, it's David's call because it's his house. It's his place, and, and they were there to serve David's vision on David's behalf. And not just in obedience, okay, not just in like a a grudging obedience, but from the heart, and this is it. As a server, you are working and building on behalf of your owner. So the most effective and successful servers are the ones who fully embrace their role as servants of the house. And that's what Jesus is getting at here in Matthew chapter 20. If you want to be great, if you want to, if you want to be great, then you need to first know that it's not about you. It's all about the owner. It's all about you. It's all about the owner. And if you're a Christian, I need you to understand you have an owner. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says that You were bought at a price. Jesus is your owner. You belong to him, and so you must serve like him. Now, somebody tell me real quick, how how could we ever know how to to serve like Jesus? Because it seems so nebulous, right? Like, how how could we ever know how how to, like, love like Jesus and serve people? And and how, how would we ever know how he saw his work? Well, it just starts in your Bibles, okay? It starts in your Bibles, and the first four books of the New Testament are a great start if you want to adopt a servant's heart. Read how Jesus lived. Read what Jesus valued. Read what Jesus prioritized and how he loved. Read how Jesus cared for others. Read how Jesus served his Father in heaven and willingly humbled himself to the Father's kingdom mission. It's all there. It's all there to see and learn so you might serve like him. And so that's first, from kind of from 10,000 feet. You exist to serve like Jesus on his behalf. But as you belong to Jesus and serve him on his behalf, like we heard in our opening scripture, I need you to know that he doesn't just expect you to figure it out. He's not like expecting you to just figure out how to serve like him. He doesn't expect you to know the culture and and just build accordingly. Any good leader, like any good leader, he wants to train you. Jesus wants to disciple you to do every good work. He wants to equip you. 
with everything you need to faithfully serve his house, the church. And that's what we saw in, in 1 Peter 4. Let me read it one more time. It says this. It says that God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to what? Serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. And all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Friends, God is so committed to building his church with his church that he literally gave each and every one of us, because we're all essential, he gave each and every one of us a gift through his spirit so we might serve like him. The culture of heaven, God wants it to be so protected that he doesn't just expect you to live in it, he actually gives you a spirit and a power to, to go and do it with him to go and serve through his spirit. We aren't expected to figure it out or will our way into being a servant. God gifts us and leads us through his spirit to serve and build on his behalf. And this is really why the servant, uh, the servant identity and the practice of serving is, is such good news because God made you special. God made you unique. God saved you from a place only you have been with experiences only you have had. And as he builds in you, as he builds you into his house, all he expects from you is that you would just serve, that you just serve through who you already are with what you already know. As God takes you and saves you and pieces you into his kingdom, all he expects is that you would just serve through who you already are, that you would serve like Jesus through his spirit at work within you. And I don't know who needs to hear this today because I don't know where everyone's coming from, but God does not expect you to be anyone other than who he saved you to be. Nor does God need you to serve in ways he's already gifted someone else to serve. And, and I understand that sometimes, like, we all have to do stuff. We all have to, like, pick up trash from time to time. And that might not exist in our strengths or our passions or our giftings. But the dream is from God that as often as you can, you have been given a gift and you should use it to serve one another through his spirit. If you have the gift of speaking, then use it. Come and talk to me. If you have the gift of hospitality, use it. If you have the gift of building awesome tables or making incredible coffee or hanging with kids, use it to serve. If you have the gift of singing or drumming, we need you, or painting or fixing cars or leading prophetic prayer movements in the church, whatever it might be, use it to serve like Jesus through his spirit so the world might know what God is like. Use your gifts to serve the church and encourage the body. And this is how God wants us to build. Not, not with our own strength, not with our own vision, not with our own ideas, but through the power of his spirit working within us as we serve like him. He's the boss. We're the help. He's the boss. It's all about him. Amen. We're the help, but we're all essential to the future he's building. And that's why we serve. Now, as we wrap this up, I, I want to close today by giving you just a few practical applications to this concept of serving, both for in and outside of the church. And then we're going to hit the road and enjoy this day. But starting with outside the church, because, again, God wants your whole life to be focused on his way. He wants his, your whole life to be focused on his truth. Your identity as a servant has no borders or exemptions, okay? 
So when you're home with your wife, with your husband, with your roommates, your kids, the expectation is that you would serve them like Jesus through the power of his spirit. That you would not come home after a long day and expect to be served, but instead you would serve like Jesus so they and those around you might know who you belong to. When you're at work, in the office, waiting tables, changing diapers, making coffee, whatever it is, that you would approach your time there, not with the vision of your own personal fame or achievement or advancement, but instead you would see your time there as an opportunity, an opportunity to, to represent Christ and his fame and his achievement and his advancement. Does that make sense? Now, I don't know what that looks like for you and where you spend your time, but I do know that we've all been given a gift and an opportunity to show the world who God is through his spirit out in the world, and so we must. We are servants of our good Father in heaven. He is home now. He is our home now, and it's our privilege to bring glory to him through following Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. So that's the outside of things. Think about where you go. Think about where you spend your time. Think about where you live. And then think about how God made you and how God saved you and gifted you to serve so that those around you, for all the people that God puts in your way, that they might know Jesus through your life and actions. That's out. Now let's talk about in for a second. Serving like Jesus through his spirit and gifts inside the church. If this is your church, you should be serving it. And a lot of you do. Way more than 80 and 20 here at this church. But listen, there are still quite a few of you that don't for any number of reasons. And maybe for some of you not serving, you're, you're just not sure who you are. You're not sure what God made you to do. You don't know your gifts or, you know, you don't know what you could do to help build what God is doing here. Maybe, maybe you don't know the opportunities to plug in and connect and serve. Maybe for some of you, you're tired. Maybe you've been burned by churches in the past and so you need some rest. Maybe, maybe some of you, you're still kind of figuring out if this is home. You don't know if this is your church. Um, maybe, maybe you still think that church exists for you. I don't know. Maybe you're just here to receive. Whatever it might be, please, please hear me say this real quick, without guilt, without pretense. We need you, and we need who God made you to be, for us to be who God made us to be. That was clumsy. Let me say it again. This church needs who God made you to be for us to become who God longs for us to be as a church. I believe everyone in here has something to contribute to the kingdom of God and its impact here in the foothills, and I mean everyone. If you're a Christian, then we all have a role to play because we've all been gifted to serve in ways only we can. We need you, and we need your heart. We need your passions, and we need your skills. We need your history. We need your future. We need your convictions and your intelligence. We need your voice, your connections, your muscle, your family, maybe your 15-passenger van. I don't know. We need it. We need you. You're needed. You're essential to the future here because God made you and saved you for more than just observing. He saved you to serve. And so, so what will it be? I, you know, on paper, as a church, we have a few, like, serving opportunities that are kind of generic, but I just want to throw them in front of you because maybe this will just jump out at you. And if you're already serving in like eight different areas, y'all, this is why we're talking about it because we need to give you a break. But here's a few official serving opportunities that we have here at Highland. So 
Um, we've got our Sunday service teams. Um, everything what you see up here on, on platform to tech teams behind the scenes. If you know how to work a computer, if you know how to run a camera, or if you're passionate about sound or lights or playing drums, whatever, just join a team. Currently, we're, we're getting by, but I'm, you know, like, just doing, you know, I'd love to not have to do this every Sunday, okay? I'm happy to serve you, but I would love if someone else could fill in the gaps, okay? And so, um, so if that's a passion area for you, if you're gifted in those areas, great, join a team. Next, we've also got our Sunday children's ministry teams. If you like kids or you're passionate about teaching, let us know. Sign up to serve kids. And, and just to be honest, our, our kids program is dynamite, but it is it is tapped, and we need more people serving our kids. And so uh, if that's something that you're open to, we'd love to get you in that spot as well. Lastly, we've got our kind of Sunday connection teams here at the church, which are lowest investment, highest return on any position of serving here at the church, because all you basically do is welcome people and let them know that we love them. Just like that, that, that host in Vegas, right? It's that moment where you stand at the door with a smile and you make them feel like we're grateful that they came. And so we could really use some help with hospitality teams, connection teams in the future too. So sign up for more information. Sign up to serve. We've got connection cards in your chairs. We've got them um, online. We've also got them at our like, connections desk in the lobby. Um, but, but please don't hear me say this from a, pl a place of desperation or manipulation because it's not at all. Uh, it's just that God made you to serve his church. He made you a servant. He made all of us a servant. He made me a servant. And he made me to serve. He made all of us to serve as often as we can in ways that only we can. Just like him. To serve like Jesus through his spirit. And so, so as we close today, thanks for listening, by the way. Um, thanks for listening. I, as we close, I'd like to pray for you that God would help you see uh, why you're alive. That God would help you see your gifts that God would help you see and focus your passions both in and outside of these walls, that God would prompt you even now to find a way to invest your life here for his kingdom so we might become who God longs for us to be at Highlands. And listen, I know it's always a risk, but we are not a sinking ship. We are not a sinking ship. I truly believe our best is yet to come. But our best only gets better with you. And this is why we serve. So I'd like to pray for you, and then we're just gonna go eat donuts or go get vitamin D or whatever, but thanks for listening. Really grateful that you decided to join us today. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we're grateful that you saved us. We're grateful that you love us. We're grateful that you modeled for us the life that you want us to live. God, that you didn't just say, go and be my servant. You, you showed us how to serve. And so now it's up to us to follow you into that, that posture and that position. God, in this moment, I, I would just ask that you would lay heavy on our hearts and our minds, God, that, that something might pop into our heart or mind of ways that we can help build your community here. And maybe it's in a public role, like on, on stage, maybe it's behind the scenes, maybe it's taking care of kids, maybe it's just being that big smile at the door that, that, that helps the community know what God is like. So God, whatever it might be, I ask that you would just kind of lay that on us and that you would make us more aware of, of who we are, our expectations, our work, and the way that you want to use us here. Jesus, I'm grateful for this community. 77 years people have been serving this church. 
77 years you have been speaking to and moving through this community to transform the foothills into a greater image of the kingdom of God. 77 years, God, and we celebrate that. But God, in this moment, I ask that you would just speak to us so that this, this generation, that this community today would find its place and take its place, that we might be able to step into the future with you as servants for the kingdom. So God, we love you and we thank you. What a gift it is to be in your church. What a gift it is to worship with this community. I'm so grateful for all that you've done and all that you promised to do. And so Jesus, we celebrate you today and we honor you. And it's in your name that we pray and we all said, amen, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. Um, if you have any questions, want to figure out a place to connect, serve, grab a card, drop it off at any of the boxes. Otherwise, y'all have a great Sunday, okay? And we'll see you next week.